some of that definitely is true and I absolutely did fuck up and I totally acknowledge that I fucked up. I should not have got the dog. We haven't decided if we're using the episode that we <laughs> recorded last week. So this might be episode two. It might be episode three. Keep it kind of crazy. Keep you guessing. Hell yeah, baby. I think I want to formally introduce Panini because last time we really fucking didn't introduce her. It's actually been super rude. This is Panini. Panini mayonnaise. She's a rescue. <laughs> She's a rescue. <laughs> Purebred rescue. She's really sick today. I don't know. Something's up. Chelsea thinks I have Munchauser syndrome by proxy, but I swear she's sick. She goes, I love when she's sick. Because she's so loving. I'm just kidding. She obviously does not want her to be sick, but you know. My favorite movie is Prisoners with Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's oh my God. no spoilers, but that that is a theme in the movie. So I There's got, a sick dog? No. I, I don't want to do any spoilers, but that's a theme in the movie. I can't watch a movie with a dog. There's no dog. Any Homeward Bound? I've never seen that. It's a golden retriever too. No, no, no. What's that show? Drake's show. Top dog. Top. Yes. Top boy. The fact that you know anything pop culture Drake or something is kind of crazy. Okay, no. So Top Boy was a British show that Drake like bought and it's now on Netflix and they like kind of, they did like a new season, but Read you it. could also not watch the old ones, if that makes sense. I started watching it, the original one, and I could tell within the first two episodes that the dog and it was gonna die and i couldn't continue the show can i be mean yeah you're not special for not liking dogs dying okay that's like the most standard take then, then cut it bitch <laughs> like Marlene. every take has to be hot every take has to be hot i can't have a single like average opinion i'll grow up chelsea had a dog once <clears throat> we'll get into that yeah so you can hate on me all you want i know because you're deflecting from sure. the story that's about to no i i i'm totally <laughs> at peace with the story i'm happy to share it okay i'm ready <laughs> we've been teasing this for quite some time now <laughs> the long running <laughs> track of our podcast that we're gonna do a dog episode and boy oh boy is it your lucky day never been done before <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about dog ownership, particularly the decision to get a dog as a young person. Both of us have firsthand experience with that. I think it could be kind of interesting to talk about. Did you finish introducing Panini or did you get, okay, get this sidetracked? Is, okay. I'm just going to give a little bit more. This yeah, is yeah. Panini. She's from Kenosha, Wisconsin. She said, um, win, <laughs> Go win, winter dog loves the cold. <laughs> Go Badgers. I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> her dad and I drove 11 hours to get her and 11 hours back he and i are no longer together but he's still her dad we'll talk about this a bit later but about how you took the dog in the divorce i took the dog in the divorce and we're like semi co-parenting mm -hmm. i never had a dog growing up and i don't particularly like dogs fun fact i don't like dogs like i actually don't really and yet i'm obsessed with my dog which is like a tale as old as time. Yes, mm. yes. It's not a hot take. Anyone that knows Allie, I think would assume if they didn't know that she had a dog, that she probably wouldn't be a dog person. You just don't have that personality. No, like I don't like noise. Unless I'm making the noise, I don't want it. Panini does not bark. She's just an angel. 
We're going to try and keep the absolute gushing to a minimum because it okay, is sorry. annoying. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's why I wanted you to start. <laughs> I want to start with something like actually concrete. This is boring. Okay. Yes, I have okay. a dog. She's cute. I didn't like dogs. Now I like dogs because I have one. It's like, true. It's done. So here's the story about me and my dog. Let me just quickly set the scene for you. I was pretty freshly out of university. Felt like it was time for me to grow up and I had my big girl job and I had my big girl apartment and I was like living my big girl life. What also was going on at the time was that my parents were getting divorced. Now in hindsight, I recognize that I was dealing with the loss of my family as I knew it. And I was definitely grappling with the feelings of just being like, okay, that's fine. I'm 22. I'll just make my own family. It's fine. I actually don't even need that family that I knew. I'll just make my own. Naturally, that looked like getting a dog. Contrasting to Ali, I have always loved animals. I've always loved dogs. I grew up with dogs. I love cats. I love horses. I set my sights on that I wanted a Bernese Mountain Dog. His name's going to be Clark. Everyone was like, please don't do this. This is a mistake. And I said, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I'm going to do. Like, shut up. Three, four months later, I went and picked up the cutest little Bernese Mountain Dog. Like everyone said, I found it to be super, super challenging. It was really disruptive to my work. I would have to come home and let him out in the middle of the day. I had him in daycare, so I would have to like get up early and drop him off at daycare. It was super expensive to have him in daycare. I was constantly riddled with guilt and anxiety about how long he'd been left alone. And then he also like had some tummy problems. And I was like always at the vet with him, spending money. All this stuff is like a young single person that has other priorities for their time and finances. All of them suddenly were being funneled into this dog. And of course, you convince yourself at the time, you can't put a price on the love and companionship for this dog that you're obsessed with. I had made this decision, so I was going to do right by it and, you know, obviously give the dog the best home and care and treatment that I could. So that's what I did. And I did that for three years. <laughs> Until <Now> it gets <laughs> good. I decided that I wanted to potentially go on a long-term backpacking trip to Asia. But then around this time when I was about to go traveling, I had gotten into a new relationship. He was the person that kind of floated the idea to me being like, hey, just because you did get this dog and potentially that was a mistake, that doesn't mean that you have to continue to make that mistake. There might be other options available to you. Potentially rehoming the dog is something that you should consider. And I was like, you're a monster. How could you even say that? That was kind of my initial stance on that but once the reality kind of set in about what I was looking to do how humane is it for me to temporarily rehome the dog for six months he's gonna have to get readjusted to a whole new thing and then I'm just like gonna come back and then also when I come back I don't really even want this life back of my whole life revolving around the dog so maybe this is like a really weird push and opportunity to do the right thing for the dog and to do the right thing for myself. So I started to actually explore it and it was just so painful. It really was like, I don't want to un like, I'm not going to emphasize this more, but just please know it was extremely painful. I felt very guilty. There was like a whole, whole, whole thing of emotions that like I was really working through, but I was trying to be logical and not emotional. And I was trying to be like, okay, what is best for the dog and what is best for me? And that's how I need to make this decision. Long story short, I contacted the breeder. They were like, yeah, no problem. Like I actually have like a super long list of people that aren't interested in puppies. They want like more of an adult dog and exactly for situations like this, like they leave their contact info with me and they're, they're waiting anxiously for like a three-year-old dog. That's ideal. I ended up picking this family with like young kids and a big backyard and property and stay at home mom. And the, I don't know, just like all the ideal situations for a dog. I can't even really remember the day that I dropped him off because I honestly think that I just sort of blocked it out. I was robotic. 
Like I just told myself, I was like, this is going to be one of the worst days and I just need to go. And I just drove up, gave him one last squeeze. And I was just like, love you forever. Bye. Like it was so sad. (laughs) I cried before you. I know. I'm going to cry too now. It's amazing that you did that because I think most people don't. Most people double down and have a miserable 10 years. I still stand by my decision now. Yeah. I really do think that it was the right thing. And, um, but it's really crazy because whether people said it to my face or behind my back, I definitely got some wind of what people thought about this decision. I told you so. It was a lot of, I told you so. It was a lot of, you're a monster. I could never do that. Like, that's so wrong. Like, oh my God, this is why there's like animals and animal shelters and people think it's like cute to get a puppy and they don't realize it's like a 10 year commitment. Some of that definitely is true. And I absolutely did fuck up and I totally acknowledge that I fucked up. I should not have got the dog, but that doesn't mean that you can't make right that's, by your mistake. That's it. That's it. You don't have to double down. You, you can correct the mistake and that's better for the dog. Yeah. And, but I was the person that had to pay the price of getting comfortable with that now being a part of my life, that I am now somebody that gave away a dog. And that is a piece of me and a piece of my story. And that was like a very difficult shift for me to just, I don't know, get used to and be able to sleep at night. Just so you know, the reason why I'm crying is not because I'm like sad that Chelsea returned a dog. And I think that's really sad for the dog or for Chelsea. I'm crying because like I'm living a single dog mom life right now and I love my dog so fucking much. I love her so much, but I also understand that my life is not what I completely want it to be because I have her Mm -hmm. and it's like it revolves around taking care of her. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of tough stuff about that, but like even imagining the possibility of not having her is like, is even more tough. Is even more tough. Just barely. It's a bit of a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Do you think before you had a dog, you would judge people for returning a dog? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But that's like, that's what I'm saying about this experience and so many of the other hard experiences that I've had in my life. I'm convinced that I was born a really fucking tough ass bitch. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I'm serious. Like I thought I was so invincible when I was younger. So I do think that I've had the interesting opportunity again, all relative to me. I am, I am disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I've had such a fucking charmed life, but like all relative to me, I've had lots of challenges that have really, really served me a huge slice of humble pie and taught me a ton about empathy and compassion. Ultimately, even though they're hard situations, I genuinely, I really feel like they've made made me a better person and a way better friend and a way better family member and whatever. Crying again. again. (laughs) But that's because I know about you. Uh, I promise that she's not as um, charmed as she probably seems. You've you've had some challenges. Like real ones, not like rejection at a bar. Thank she's, you. she's never been re- okay anyway that's a tangent <laughs> chelsea told me when she's never been rejected i was like that seems wrong but that's like in my own head like i've never perceived <laughs> being rejected like even like, if somebody turned away and walked away i'd be like oh that something was over in the other way they had to take care of <laughs> like it wasn't about me i'm just gonna talk about this i'm really struggling right now i'm a single dog mom and i obviously have to leave her alone sometimes and it like literally eats at me that i'm leaving her alone when she could like be living on a farm and I take her swimming all the time. I take her hiking all the time and it's just doesn't seem like enough. And that really eats at me because I feel like she's not getting the best life. And also it's making my anxiety worse. Like my life also is worse. Cause I 
feel like shit about it. I kind of want to go out till two in the morning and not think about going home. Not necessarily for that, but just Mm -hmm. to be able to experience that freedom. Or just like not even something like so hedonistic. It's like you want to be able to like go to work and then be able to go straight over to like another activity without having to think about going home and to let Panini out and or how long has she been left alone that day and you know just constantly crunching the numbers of all that stuff always it's like forcing me to be stressed and so scheduled and efficient when this is a time in my life when I'm trying not to prioritize efficiency and productivity I'm trying to like slow down and just like take a deep breath Another thing is that like a lot of people just leave their dogs at home all day and are totally fine with it. And I'm like, how do I tap into that? Mm-hmm. I can't. It's really how? tough. I have, I'm, a, I'm of so many minds. And if I don't know if you're actually looking for practical, practical advice on this. The devil's advocate, really harsh. Be harsh. <laughs> Objectively, you're providing good care for Panini if you still like leave her alone for longer periods of time. And you just need to try to be as objective as possible, being like, she's fed, she's looked after, she's loved. Like, it's okay if she has to spend a little bit more time alone. All of her needs are being met and more. And honestly, it's not that deep. And you need to get over yourself a little bit. Yeah, it's more like, why do I care so much about this dog? Like, th- there must be something else there. I think. I don't know a ton about this, but to me, it kind of feels a little martyr complex-ish. You feel like you pour into the dog so much, and obviously she does give you back stuff in the sense of love and companionship, but also, like, not really. She doesn't actually give you anything back. I agree. So I think that that's part of it, is that, like, you're resentful. That's what I'm saying. Why am I, like, beating myself up so hard over a dog that's, like, She's so great. I love her. Yeah, like for an hour a day, she does. Mm-hmm. And I give her 24 hours in a day, almost. Mm-hmm. When I find myself in a situation that I think that you're in, and when I feel very like emotional like this, where it's like kind of melty downy, it's very hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. And it's just like, it's such a sore, sore, sore thing. Anyone could say anything or like the slightest little thing is going to set you off. For myself, what I've identified is that's often a situation where I feel powerless where it feels like I don't have any options. That kind of seems like maybe the situation that you feel like you're in because you're like, I'm obsessed with this dog. I would never not have her in my life, but I sort of wish that I didn't have her. There's literally no option where like something isn't fucked up. At the root of that, that's powerlessness and hopelessness because it's just like, there's no solution. And I just have to live with the consequences of a mess that I've created. And I also know too, from talking to you about other other things, when you feel like it's something that you brought upon yourself with a choice that you made, you also are beating yourself up from that perspective as well, that it's something that you did. It's not like this just happened to you. It was, it's your fault. It is, yeah. That's not at all how I see it. No, I know, that's just, but that's yeah. how I see it. Mm-hmm. When something bad happens in my life with a person, like say a guy, I went on a date and a guy sucked. I come home and I feel so like all I ever have is panini. I know that sounds so stupid. She's my like crutch of, well, no matter what, I'll have panini and there's nothing else I have other than her, Mm -hmm. which is embarrassing, but it's, it's kind of the first pathway that my brain goes to Mm -hmm. when something goes wrong in my like human connections i think that's really relatable i think that's like a big reason why people love dogs they unconditionally love you 
and they are just truly a companion and a best friend in every way. And that is part of the reason why they are man's best friend and why they are loved so widely as they are. But it's not like good. It kind of feels a little bit like you need to choose your choice. And it kind of feels like you're almost like straddling all of them. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, I kind of wish I didn't have the dog, but like, I'm obsessed with having the dog. You're kind of in the middle of all of them. And to me, it's either you need to make the decision where you were like, okay, the dog is actually not suitable for me in my life. What am I going to do about it? Or I love this dog. I am not prepared to deal with any other option other than keeping the dog. So I need to adjust my mindset and adjust my lifestyle to embrace this choice that I've made. And I need to choose my choice and have the dog and be happy that I have the dog. Yeah. And that's what I've been trying to slowly do more and more. I need to like go out and have fun so that I can be happier and so I could be less resentful too Mm -hmm. to the dog. It's like all fucking comes together. And I think it's really tough too because I don't know if best practices are like for deciding to choose your choice, if that's something that happens gradually or if it's something that you need to kind of like test. And then once you get some positive reinforcement, you can like continue to repeat that and build more evidence. And then eventually you'll get more confident and then you'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, I really do choose my choice. Or do you literally just wake up one day and decide? What's tough for me too is like in my particular circumstance, I know that I couldn't just re Homer to, like a different family, I would have to give her back to her dad and her dad's life is not conducive to having like for her to have like a good life. Whereas mine is like, I have a podcast and I know he would never sign off on us rehoming the dog. Like he has first right of refusal. Exactly. I think that's also playing into why I'm like, what is, what are the decisions? Because it's not really like, giving her a really good like in your circumstance not to contrast mm, but like mm. you knew that clark was going to have a better life mm-hmm. with it like sorry he no was. it gave me peace yeah for sure i don't have that i have she's gonna have actually a less good life with him i'm gonna have a better life it's this, only me well and this is like the really challenging thing is that i don't know i know i know a little bit of the details about what her life might be like if she did go live with her dad objectively i think she'd be totally fine I think it would be an adjustment and I think she would be totally fine. And I think that you would have to have hope that like he would step up and yeah, maybe it's not going to be exactly how you would do it, but he would step up in a way that she would still have a great life and she would be totally fine. The reality of that though is like if right now the way that you're talking about it and your situation is like, it's not that bad. Like, of course you're experiencing some, some distress, but like, it's not like that bad. That's always the thing with these situations is at what point does it cross over to, no, it's actually more extreme now. It's more severe. And maybe action does need to be taken. It's very difficult to identify what that line would be. And obviously, it would. I would hate, everyone would hate to see you ever get to that point. The underlying belief of that, though, is that you need to understand that your life is more valuable than Panini's life. I'm really sorry if all the vegans and the, like, everyone or the, there's a term for this for people that, like, think you can like rank lives like human life or like one human to another human or human to canine or whatever. Like there's a term for people that are, that that is there's something to do with this. I'm not like that. Okay. All I'm saying is that my friend, Ali, I value her life more than I value Panini's life. Fucking cancel me. And I want her to see it that way. And if it ever got to the point where like, it really was crossing over a line where like seriously having the dog was hindering you from being able to live a good life. I would really want you to guilt-free be able to take action on that. 
Yeah. But it's a really tough spot to say like, okay, well, what would need to happen in order for you to identify that like it actually has become a big enough of an issue? I know because it is like having Panini has made me lonelier. Even when it was me and Panini's dad and Panini, it isolated me a bit because I was always thinking about her first. You were carrying the mental load. Uh, Yes. As well as doing the majority of the actual work involved with her. Totally. And her dad is one of those people who I envy who doesn't think about her when he's away from her. Like he, like he does now, but like when he went to work and she was alone, he'd be like, yeah, like let's go out for dinner. It's not a big deal. He just lived his life. He wasn't shouldering any of the mental load and the responsibility. Excuse me. I'm realizing that was not a break. It was, I just had to do something over there. (laughs) Also, I didn't mention her first lie. I didn't mention this at the top of the podcast. I'm a little bit hungover. I had a bachelorette last night and I was running around the whole city as Guy Fieri. I could insert some photos into the video if you're interested. It's so good. Sorry. So what I was saying is that this is going to be annoying, but I'm realizing now I'm not a parent, but like I know some friends now that are becoming parents. I don't know. I hear some stuff like, on TikTok and on podcasts and whatever. I, I'm, a, I'm a little, parenting is coming into my sphere now. This is like a really, 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 really common thing that I hear about mothers, in, like of humans, when you're talking about it in the context of a partner that like often the dad doesn't understand about the mental load of parenting and that the mother is burdened with all of that. And it's like, even if the dad's like, how can I help? The whole problem is that it's like, I don't even want you to ask how can I help? Like, why do I have to be the command center for everything that goes on? I want you to also know what is helpful. Like, I don't want to just tell you like you're my minion. No, no, I help. I'm a really involved parent. Mm-hmm. Doing the work is part of it, but like also just like understanding the whole thing and like shouldering that responsibility is a whole other part of it. Obviously, that's not the situation that you're in anymore because you are a single mom. But even as a single mom or just in general as a parent, how do you deal with the emotional aspect of not being able to just completely selfishly live your life and loving the shit out of something and not knowing how to reconcile those things as annoying as this is to tell someone to like read a book or listen to a podcast or whatever. Like I do think that there actually is probably some really good information out there on this subject and not to feel weird that you're comparing it to like human parenting, but I do think that you're experiencing the exact same thing. Yeah. That's a good idea. I don't have a baby just in case anyone's confused. I have a dog. No. And like, I, I don't think it's okay. I like, I don't think anyone should minimize this. This is, this is your that's, experience. It is. That's 100% valid. Fuck people who judge you for returning the dog or rehoming the dog. It's just like fuck judgmental people yeah. really is, is the high level comment on all of this. Yeah. It's just, you don't know people's lives. You don't know people's situations. You would hope that if you actually asked some questions and got to know some more details about the situation, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And also probably required a ton of fucking courage and whatever to do that. So actually good on them. And I actually respect them more and you shouldn't just judge something so quickly. And I don't know if this is bleeding into another topic. Getting Panini and parenting Panini is one of the reasons why I currently think that I will be child-free and not have a kid because I like can't handle it right now. And I can't imagine like how exponentially worse it would be with a human child. Allie and I have talked about before that actually was a concept that we had a conversation about from a Andrew Huberman and Lex Friedman podcast. When you recognize a quality in yourself that maybe you don't like, you kind of have two options. It's do you accept it or do you change it? And I think that's kind of the same situation here where it's like, okay, that is so sick that you've gone out and gotten some life experience to now inform you on an opinion where you're thinking, okay, I don't know that I want to have children. So then now that you have that information, do you want to accept it or do you want to change it? This bitch. 
right i know it's it's not that you have to make that decision now i know but the thing is i get what you're saying Mm -hmm. and i know you're really good at that but some people have a harder time choosing first of all between accept and change and then once they choose change which i always want to choose change Mm -hmm. actually implementing it like Mm -hmm. it takes your brain a lot of time to change the neural pathways 100 percent i am trust me yeah i am a big you're pretty good at it no but i'm a big fucking talker and like i definitely do try to walk the walk but i also talk a lot the other thing too is that i've been living like this now for a long time and the reason why is because i've been making a fucking mess of my life for a long time i've been a fucking messy ass (laughs) operator of my life so i've had a lot of opportunities to learn how to clean up my messes i am happy that i've had that and like that but i it's not like i just magically am like this it's it's because i've just i've gained the confidence and the integrity with myself that i can do it and it's been a fucking process and it's still a fucking process and i have lots of messes currently in my life that i'm still working through and i will continue to make more messes i have absolutely no doubt (laughs) chelsea just wants me to have a baby I don't. I, I really don't. I only think people that want babies should have babies. Yes. We are going to do a kids episode, but like just as a little teaser to that, there definitely is a part of me that thinks anyone that doesn't want to have kids, there's a small part of me that is sad for them because they don't. Oh, here she, she's getting canceled now. I know. There's a part of me that's sad because it makes me feel like they don't love themselves. Well, that's true for me. Yeah. In some ways. I think I'm very funny. <laughs> Otherwise, though. I think there is something really narcissistic about wanting to have kids. You're like, I'm so fucking sick. I'm yeah. going to make more of me. Yeah. So then the opposite of that is like, I don't love myself. Why would I want more of me? Or I love myself so much that I don't want to sacrifice my life for a kid. I think if, that, if it is truly just that fucking go hard. Yeah. Anyone who wants a kid can have a kid, obviously. But I think people like you will be really good parents because you can live your life where you are an amazing parent, but you also still save whatever 30%, 40% for yourself. I think if you're the type of person who like throws their identity into a parent, it's just a more difficult experience. But that's because I've learned that because I've lost myself in lots of things in my life. I've lost myself in relationships before. And I realize that I have absolutely nothing to give when I lose myself in something and people know this, this is not again, novel information. If you deplete yourself so much to like be there for someone else or for something else, then like there's nothing there. So it's like, you have to put yourself first, the fucking airplane, put your mask on. Like you, (laughs) but it's true. Like you have to fill your own cup so that you have something to pour. It just hit me that I've never um, lost myself in a relationship with a guy, but I've only lost myself in a relationship with a dog. Is that weird? No, everyone's going to get these. It's so strange. Everyone's going to get these fun little challenges served yeah. up by the little mother nature world, whatever you want to call it. Like you're going to get your lessons. And I really think that Panini is a huge ass lesson. She's a spiritual teacher. Okay. I think we're going to wrap it up. This is not a complete episode. Like it's, it's, this is all just kind of half baked. It's more so talking about our experiences. And I know that a lot of 
people have dogs and, you know, can relate, hopefully can relate to some of these situations. And obviously I made one choice with my decision. Allie's making another choice with her decision. The other thing that I want to highlight is that nothing about this is embarrassing about me acknowledging that I gave away my dog. And there's nothing embarrassing about Allie admitting that she's having some struggling, like that there's challenges with her situation. There's absolutely nothing fucking embarrassing about that. I truly, really want to normalize ambivalence is fucking so important. And that is that you can hold multiple opinions that can conflict at the same fucking time. So you can be like, I'm obsessed with my dog. However, she's making my life a lot harder and I really don't know what to do about it. Yeah. That's fucking great. And that is called being a nuanced human being that understands the complexity of thought and ideas and God bless your fucking heart. And I hope that more people can be like that. But people love binaries, right? Like adopt, don't shop. Are you a dog person? If you're not a dog person, fuck you. It's like, that's not how it is. I know. Literally, if anyone asks me, are you a dog or cat person? I go, I like both. Please don't make me choose. Why would you do that? <laughs> Any... And I know I'm so fucking annoying. They're like, dude, it's just a funny question. It's an icebreaker. Answer the question. No. Okay. <laughs> I cried. I cried too. I know. Was this funny enough? I don't know. I don't think it was the objective yeah. was to be funny. I don't know how I feel about Allie, I want to tell you because you're vulnerable. Yeah. I know it's scary. Was there snot in my nose? No. Oh. Just cute tears. Allie, I really am very proud of you. I'm serious. This is a really tough thing that you're doing. Yeah. I'm really proud of you. And you're figuring it out. Penny's dad's going to hire a hitman. No. You're figuring it out. Or what? I think it is so fucking admirable to just like wade through life. Like it's not going to be fucking neat and tied up in a bow. Sometimes you just got to fucking bash through it and fucking figure it out as you go. It's not about elegance. It's not about grace. It's about fucking figuring it out. And I'm like, I think that is one of the most admirable things someone can do. You're figuring it out. cute the camera fucking cut out i'm leaving the audio though because that was really a sweet moment but (laughs) thank you bye